welcome to the Heartbeat for Hire podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Dowd. My goal is to help train leaders and sales organizations how to manage and deliver results with empathy, compassion, and kindness. Let's get started. Greetings and welcome to this episode of Heartbeat for Hire. You know I bring you great guests and today is no exception. Iris Zimmerman is a speaker, entrepreneur, business owner, podcast host, Hall of Fame fencing champion and former Olympian. She is a certified leadership and performance coach that owns Monarch Leadership Group. Iris co-hosts the podcast Untrained with her colleague and friend, Whitney Otto. Her roster of clients includes leaders from sales to healthcare to startups and small business owners, all trying to find their own growth while simultaneously growing their businesses and teams. Iris lives in Rochester, New York with her family and is dedicated to working with and impacting clients while being present to raise her two daughters to become badasses. Iris, welcome. So happy you're here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. And that's the best intro I've had, (laughs) by the way. And also when someone reads it, I'm always like, oh, that is me. I'm like, that's kind of cool. That is you. And you should own all of that. It's so good. So for those people just getting to know you, can you give a little bit of your background? Oh, well, now I'm 42. I have more of a background, so it takes longer (laughs) to get there to here. But uh, basically, um, I started fencing when I was six years old. And my sister and I both made the 2000 Olympic team. I've tried out for other teams. I fenced for Stanford. Um, and then it brought me to retirement, my first sort of identity switch of like, what do I do from uh, being a high level athlete to being what I like to call a normie? Like, how do normal people do this? I always ask this, like, what is a normal like a person? <laughs> yeah, like a right. Muggle. Oh, absolutely. I definitely like, what does a normal person do in this situation? So I transitioned to owning a fencing club for about nine years and teaching fencing. Um, And then I found coaching and I had been a teacher my whole life. Um, And I'd always been a a third party observer to human behavior. And I always thought it was really interesting. And it's a huge part of fencing is knowing your opponent, how they think, how they feel, how they behave on the fencing strip. So it was a normal transition. um, And I had an MBA. I had some experience to just going into this leadership uh, piece. And I love it because I feel like I can help support my clients and I can be in fencing. You have um, a coach on the side of the strip to support you while you're in the game. And I feel like I'm that person for my clients. So that's the, I'm doing the stuff that I really love and that's raising my two girls. <laughs> that's such a good metaphor for life. And I think there are so many um, people that that I run across that they want to get more out of their career. They want to, you know, go farther, do better. And there's so few people that have that realization that, oh, I should have a coach. I mean, athletes have coaches. And that's why I love having athletes on this podcast, because it's such a great metaphor for coaching. So what led you to want to become a certified coach? Because that's not a short journey. That's pretty major. I think, well, I'm also an achiever. What is it? The Enneagram three, you know, I'm a high achiever. So if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it at the highest level. So if I'm going to go to college, it's going to be Stanford. If I'm going to pursue fencing, it's going to be Olympics, but it also creates for a lot of stress as well. Um, But the ICF certification was really important to me because I felt like I wanted that training. I wanted to be able to know, you know, what are some frameworks? What are the things that I can learn to help my clients. And I, and, you know, as a coach, we're always learning, we're always reading, there's always more things. 
we talk to each other. Hey, how did you handle that? So, you know, I'm, for me, that's the cool part about coaching is you, there's always something to learn, not only from other coaches, but from your own clients and how they're seeing things. So I really, I just really enjoyed that. And to your previous comment about coaching, absolutely. I think people, I had a client the other day, even a, she was a, she is a CEO at a startup, a uh, co-founder. And she's like, well, I thought I couldn't get a coach until we reached, you know, uh, the seed <laughs> round. Right. So yeah, yeah. Right. There's no right. rules. You can get a coach whenever you need a coach. <laughs> right. And and the thing is, I think there's a huge fallacy around this is all on you. You've got to get, get this. You've got to make it work. But where in our lives have we ever done something where we don't have someone with us? That's not, we are not um, human beings that are just in a box. We live in communities, right? So when you went to school, were you alone having to learn math? No, you had a teacher, you had friends. Mm -hmm right? You had other administrators around you. And then when you went to college, right? And yeah. then we somehow graduate and we think, oh, we've made it. And so now well, we, should, yeah. we should know all the things now. And we've been yeah. anointed with this degree or these degrees and we should know the things. And um, oh my God. <laughs> it's Poppy. <laughs> oh, hello. Um, my favorite kind of dog, by the way. Oh, she's big on Instagram. Poppy Long Sausage. So. Oh, <laughs> okay. So now I have a new uh, Instagram uh, follow uh, to follow, but you know, I think that's, that's the fallacy is that we decide at some point and especially leadership, right? Like leadership is kind of lonely because you get to a point and there's only certain people you can kind of reveal things to. Yeah. There's only certain things that uh, certain people that can help you that have been in that scenario. Um, and oftentimes the leader's feel alone. And I'm like, you don't, you and I both know, like, you just, you don't have to feel alone. You don't have to feel like you're doing it yourself. And I think it's a huge, I'll give you one more example. I had a client the other day and she said, Oh, keep procrastinating on this. Like I keep procrastinating on this project. I said, what's your energy level when you have it, have this project and doing it. She's like, it's at like from a one to 10. Yeah. It's a no, she's like, it's at a zero. It's at, and then I feel bad. And it's at a negative five. And I was like, well, what if you bring someone else's energy into the room, right? To help you when you feel like your energy is down. So we could borrow energy from each other. And that's the cool thing about being a human being is that you, right. can, you can support each other. You can borrow energy from someone else. You can help each other. Oh, well, you hit on something before that um, it really hits home for me, and that is that leaders think they need to know everything. And I subscribe to the philosophy of I always surrounded myself with people that were smarter than me, had different skill sets than me, because it made us all better. And it's such a great reminder. And I mean, even as a coach, like you said, we learn every day. So as you were training to be an Olympian, I mean, I imagine your coach yeah, they know a lot, but they're still learning. They're learning from others. So can you just share your perspective on, you know, how leaders, again, aren't alone? Um, I, I just think this is such an important point because so many people feel isolated and like, oh my God, if I ask a question, I'm a hack. Like I, I'm an imposter. Yes. Well, the imposter phenomenon, it's interesting you bring it up because I have it. I'm even taking a course with uh, Dr. Lisa Orbe Austin, who's like my guru for, um, if if anything, I just want to promote her book because it's like life-changing for me and it's great. Own your greatness. I'm, I'm going through a course with her husband and 
you know, I think, I think fear can take many forms. Sure. And I think sometimes fear actually looks and sounds like it's really credible mm-hmm. and really like dressed up in a nice suit, mm-hmm. but it's still fear, right? So when you think in absolutes, when it's black and white, and also like when you slam doors in your own mind about how things should be, or if it's an absolute, you and I as coaches know that absolutes are an awesome gateway to be like, I don't know about that. Where's the yep. gray area, right? Like we yep. start like, be like, I don't know if it's this or that. Yeah. What about and? What about this other pathway? Mm-hmm. So fear can, when fear shows up, it's dressed up in a nice suit. It looks really good. Oh, fear is also really good at going, you need all the data. You need all the analytics. Yeah. Like it's a very good teller sure. of that mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's in, an, in a suit. I'm telling you, it really does show up that way. But when you're thinking in absolutes, like I need to know everything that's really a place where you can start to say, well, I think that might be some negative thought. That might be some fear. So maybe curiosity, right? You and I know in in coaching, curiosity is a huge thing. We talk about a lot on the Untrained podcast is our two things are curiosity and call a friend. Mm -hmm. And curiosity is, it needs to come in and say, look, like what's the gray area here? Do you actually need to know everything? What is safe? about knowing everything you know why do we need to feel that way like what is there what do you what might you be afraid of that's that's causing this either or thinking um and oftentimes I do think about safety right so I think what do you need to feel safe here in this scenario right is it is it that you need to know all the information or what is it that you actually need support and safety around oh, I love that uh, it's so funny because I talk a lot about psychological safety and how when you have it, people create new best practices, they take risks, they're more willing to collaborate, they're really, they have an opportunity to blossom. And when it's missing, there's no innovation, there's no progress, it's it's not a safe space. And, you know, being able to create that safe space for yourself to excel, to grow, and confiding in someone saying, you know, this scares the crap out of me, how am I going to get through this? And, you know, having that external boys who can look at you objectively and be like, no, 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 you've done this. You, you are capable. It's crazy. Yes. I want to pivot a little and talk a little bit about your podcast. It's called untrained. And I want to, I want to dig in on that. And why is it called untrained and what are we untraining? So my co-host, who's my best friend, uh, like my soulmate friend, um, we, both are Olympians. She was an alternate to the 2000 games in rowing. And I, um, I was also in 2000 fencing. And when we were growing up, there's a lot of this training around success, around validation, around achievement. You have to get here. If we get here, then we're okay. We're safe, right? Like if I get here, then I'll be good. If, you know, if then I'll feel good about whatever it is I'm going to feel good about. So we have a lot of these and there's a lot of stress around it. And there's a lot of, um, and both of us have trauma past. I have PTSD. Um, so from my training as mm-hmm. an Olympian, um, I had a very abusive coach and, um, you know, a lot of it was this performance and training and he was very directive and, mm-hmm. and, um, probably could have used his own coach. Yeah, um, like it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think he kind of passed that on a little bit. Uh, and then I had PTSD. So um, 
anyways, so we started this untraining because we both kept having these conversations of people are trapped in these mindsets that we're yeah. given. And we have, we are trapped in a lot of these narratives that keep us extremely stressed out, that keep, keep us very boxed in. Um, I can't take a rest. Yeah. I've got to work harder. I've got to get through the to-do list. I've got to, I'm not good enough. Yeah. And we often drive from this place of lack, right? So we're, and, and that was how we were, we were lacking the inside. And so if we just had external validation, maybe it would offer, and I used this yesterday uh, with someone is maybe it offers some relief. Maybe I won't feel so bad if I just achieve this, then I can feel that I can. Yeah. Right. If I only get there. Then I can relax. No. Cause then you're going to go to the next thing and the next thing. And you're always empty. You're never satisfied. It's called the, um, in sports psychology, the hedonic treadmill is like, there's never yeah. this sort of satisfaction. You're constantly on a treadmill. And for me, not only that, I would feel the treadmill and then I would be like, oh, you know what? I'm just not going fast enough. And then I would press the button, <laughs> the treadmill and then complete burnout in every aspect. And I'm mm -hmm. never feeling this relief, although I'm trying to go for it. So we built Untrained or we started the podcast mostly because we love each other and we want to talk to each other yeah. and we talk to each other anyways. So yeah. we just record the conversation. That's awesome. Um, so, and we do talk to each other every day and we support each other as we're, I mean, we haven't arrived. Both of us are still untraining. And so it's a, the podcast for us is both here are the lessons we've learned. Here's what we're still working on. And here's what our clients are working on. And here's what we're trying to add um, as tools for you as you're working on your journey. So we see it as hand in hand with our clients. We're not, I'm not like, Iris and Whitney were telling you what to do. It's more like we're in it with you. And this is yeah. kind of what's happening because we often don't like the wizard of Oz. We often don't pull the curtain back and look at the stuff behind well, it. You're adding so much humanity to overachievement and to achievement. And it's so important because especially in the corporate landscape, I know so many people that don't even realize they have a choice to not burn out, to not continue on this miserable path they're on. And, you know, toxic culture is just so prevalent in corporate America and the overworking and the, you know, I'm up until midnight tonight and I was up at 5 a.m. Okay, but why? Like, what are you doing for all of that? Is everybody sitting there with a watch wondering when you're going to reply to an email? They're not. So just take a step back and take care of yourself. And, you know, I, I'm seeing people getting so sick and I, an old colleague of mine just passed away. She was 57 years old from stress. Like that's the reality of where we're headed. So reminding yourself to take a breath and celebrate your wins, celebrate those moments, because if you don't, who will? Like, it's just, they're lost. And then you just keep going. Yes, I do. So I've thought about this a lot. Obviously, we we kind of took the, what is it? The blue pill of the matrix to exit yeah. the matrix. Because we're like, this is not how we yeah. want to work. And we want to find ways to work that are more conducive to ourselves, our nervous system, our brains, and our skills, mm -hmm. right? But when you're on this treadmill of achievement, it is very hard to get off yeah. because this is the only thing, you know, these are the only patterns 
and this is the container that is the most safe. It might feel like shit, yeah, but it is my shit container. <laughs> and I, I'm very tethered to it. My identity is tethered to it. My days are tethered to it. My body's tethered to it. My family's tethered to it. I'm tethered to this treadmill and this is what I know. It's like going to the gym and having to do a different workout, right? You don't know. You've just ran on the treadmill. So now you have to go and do weights and you're like, how the fuck am I going to do this? I don't right, know right. anything about weights. Like, do, should I lift five pounds? Should I lift it like this? So I think what happens is when we do the work with clients is we have to help them tether to something safe. Yeah. Meaning there isn't safety in the freedom that you want yet. You might want this, but there's not safety over there because when I've taken care of myself, I feel like I've failed or I feel like I am not safe in this corner. So I'd rather be over here because it feels easier. Mm. So it is the hard work to kind of stop or slow down the treadmill to kind of tether yourself to something else. And you start to begin to, because that's what I said to um, on one of our podcasts, our recent one. I said, you know, when I started to get off this treadmill, I felt really untethered and yeah. almost panicky, right? Yeah. Like I'm panicking because I know how to get up at four o'clock in the morning and right. be really disciplined around the things that are awful and don't bring me any joy, but I'm really not good at. It's disrupting uh, your routine. That, exactly. That's tough. That That is not easy for people. Change isn't easy for people. So exactly. Yeah, that's a exactly. big shift. I get, totally get that. It's such a great concept. And I, I love that you do it. I can't wait to listen. Um, so I want to talk about your daughters and raising badasses. What does that mean? And I, I know a little bit about your family, but please tell the audience. Yeah. So I have two girls. They're eight and 10, um, soon to be nine and 11. And I really think I learned the most about leadership by raising my children because mm. you, I really don't, I mean, we think, uh, someone said you can either be, uh, what is it? A gardener or a, what is it? A, uh, architect, right? So you can either architect their lives and then do everything to make them how you want it, mm -hmm. or you can be a gardener, right? Like I plant the seeds and then nurture it, help it grow, nurture it, help it grow. So I really do think about that a lot. Um, and I think about other people in the village that can help my children. Mm -hmm. So I know I'm limited in some of the things and I like what I like and I, you know, I do the things I do. So it's kind of cool to watch my kids find the things that they want to do. And, and some people ask me, they're like, you know, your sister owns a fencing club. Why don't you just have them go fence? I was like, because they don't want to. Yeah. Right. Like that was my thing. Now yeah. they're kind yeah. of discovering their thing. They're not an extension of me. They have my genetic material, but they're not an extension of me and nor are they representative of my winning and losing. Does that make sense? Like, totally. but good yeah. on you to figure that out, that they are their own people and they're going to chart their own course and you supporting that along the way is so important. And your husband's an athlete too, right? Yeah. So he was a strong man. Uh, so he was a lightweight strongman. He um, actually competed at the lightweight strongman world championships in China. Um, and and this is the kind. These are the kind of parents these kids have. Is he like ripped his collarbone out during oh. a competition in China and then just kept trying to go, right? Like, oh my god! <laughs> and finally, his body just sort of gave. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm the same way. Like I broke my hand and then just kept going. So that's what we're used to is like, they have two parents. So I'm trying to be very aware yeah. 
that we're like, come on, we're drivers of that kind of behavior. So, and that's how we drove ourselves. So I'm trying to be very conscious, but I do have to say there is a little jar where I put money in for their future therapy anyways, because I know I'm going to have to save for it. So, you know, no matter what you do, eventually they're going to have future therapy. You know so what? I'm going to just put the money in the jar. <laughs> if there is a child that doesn't require therapy nowadays, I would be shocked. I think the the pandy did such a number on our kids. So yeah. they are all trying to sort themselves out. And the problems that we had as kids are so different than the ones that they have now. And I have teenage twins and, you know, we're dealing with things I never expected to be dealing with. And, you know, it's so interesting how you said, you know, they're not an, they're not an extension of me. They're their own people. And I was a competitive swimmer growing up and could not understand why my daughter could not dive properly. Like she was doing the old lady, like hands above this. I'm like, oh my God, why are you diving like that? That doesn't look cute at all. And she's looking at me like, I'm trying mom. And I'm like, oh, but you have to kind of stop and, and break that and be like, nope, she's learning in her own time. And she figured it out. She doesn't dive like an old lady anymore. So she got there, but it's funny. The expectations, you know, that you grow up with, that you project onto your kids, you got to stop them. So, all right. So here's a question for you. What inspires you? Oh my goodness. That is such a good question because I haven't thought about it in a while. Um, right now as a coach, I'd say in this moment, I think that my client's are extremely inspiring because, you know, I've got clients who are yesterday met with someone who is solving cancer in a different way. Mm. Um, and I'm just like, you know, this is pretty cool what you're doing. Like sometimes I tell my clients, I was like, you know, you're kind of cool. Cause they don't know that about themselves. They're just doing their thing. Right. And, it's, and they're like, Oh yeah. I think my clients are really inspiring. I, I don't know. I mean, for me, I just find um, my mother is a Buddhist. And so she would say, you're very lucky, Iris, to be born a human being. You could be, you know, born a deer or an ant or, a, you know, a whatever in this life. Right. But you were given the opportunity to be a human. So I, I, my worldview is to see this humanity as a gift, even the difficult pieces so I feel very strongly when I wake up in the morning, regardless of how I, how I feel, I'm going to just pack the day and I'm going to do the things because I love this life. And yeah. so that is the worldview I was given by my mother. It's the worldview I live in every day. So, you know, it's interesting about inspiration because I just feel it, you know, and some people don't, and that's their worldview and how they grew up. And so that's different, but I think those are the two things. I don't think it takes much for me to feel like, yes, this is amazing, you know? But I also think you're living in a space that allows you to dream and it allows you to be in your purpose. And I think most people are seeking that, but they don't know how to go there. And, you know, I pivoted out of corporate America after 25 years and I'm on my own doing my own thing now. And it's scary as hell, but- I really feel aligned with my purpose. I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So that feels good. So I totally can relate to that feeling inspired by a lot of things. Um, so that's cool. Okay, so here's another one for you. What would you like your legacy to be? 
You know, I've thought a lot about it too. I've had some clients say, you know, that feels like a big burden. Um, I think if you asked a younger version of me, it would be like, I'm going to get, I'm going to make a lot of money. And then I'm going to have this sports center in the middle of Rochester because there's not one for the kids and I'm going to put my name on it. And it, and then that's my legacy. You know, like yeah. I think um, there is that sort of ego as a kid. The physical, like, yeah. Yeah, this physical yeah. representation or manifestation of your legacy. Um, but I think for me, I've come to a place where it's, um, it's really just a day-to-day -day action, right? So what I choose to do today has ripple effects, mm -hmm. right? So, um, you know, the environment it has ripple effects on, my children it has ripple effects on, my husband and how he goes about his day at you, you know, if I come here and I'm kind of bleh, like, it'll affect <laughs> this, right? Sure. So you have an opportunity to have ripple effects in the world every day. So that is kind of where I've settled is, listen, this isn't forever. You know, I'd love to have a ton of money. I'd love to be a Rockefeller and put my name on all the things, but it's just not, that's not there for me. Mm -hmm. So what I can do on a very, um, it actually makes a big impact in the long term is be very aware and conscious mm -hmm. of the little things I'm doing every day to impact people, impact the environments. And so living consciously, that's the legacy. I love that. I think that's brilliant. And you're well on your way. You're already in it. So good job. Um, how do people find you, Iris? They can find me um, on my website, monarchleadership.com, I think. Um, and they, yeah, great. And they can, you know, I'm posting on Instagram more, which is also kind of a scary place for me, the social media place. Yes. Um, LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn as well. So, and then our untrained podcast is on Spotify and YouTube. So I love connection. I love connecting with people and that's why I do the work, um, that I do. So, and I'm happy to be connected to you now. Same. Well, you've been a fabulous guest. Thank you so much for being on. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Heartbeat for Hire. Take care. Thanks for listening to Heartbeat for Hire. If you like what you hear, I'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave a five-star review. To keep the conversation going, you can find me on Insta or at LinkedIn at Lindsay Dowd, H4H. Or you can reach me at my website, heartbeatforhire.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.